0: はい a little more than one week to go until opening day 2023. So a lot to get to tonight on Behind the Yellow Line. We've got some nuggets from Mesa and Cubs Camp. The World Baseball Classic wrapped up last night. It was a good one. We'll talk about that. And then we are going to end today's show with some predictions. We're going to pick the division winners, the wild card winners, the pennant winners, the World Series winners, and then some of the individual awards, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year. So jam-packed show tonight full crew here Jeremy is here Randall is here and we are recording this the night of March 22nd to accommodate Jeremy he's got a big weekend plan he is Las Vegas bound Uh, Jeremy seems like you're on the cusp of a real fun weekend here
1: yeah yeah definitely you know Vegas bound while the tournament is in Vegas and I'd like to think we're accommodating all of us because I would think we'd all want to watch some tournament games right all three of us like that's going to be a big deal tomorrow so uh but yes it should be a big weekend and it should have some fun you and the boys going to mm-hmm. Vegas.
0: Are you planning on attending a basketball game or just taking in sort of the atmosphere around the games?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm planning on attending the Elite Eight game. Unfortunately, I won't be getting in until late uh, tomorrow night, so not probably going to have a huge chance to attend the Sweet 16 games. But I am definitely planning on attending the Elite Eight game.
2: Jeremy, seems to me if it were as important to you as you make it out to be, you'd find a way to get in there. I'm Maybe like a parachute drop right over the venue enter in through the roof just seems to me that if it were important to you as you say it is you'd find a way
1: well I mean I, I yeah I'll try to find it as best as I can Randall I, I definitely will but you know not everything can work out the, at the best of ways if it doesn't mean it's not important so boys weekend
0: planned for Jeremy here in Vegas this weekend I just had one with a good fan of this show, a friend of the pod here, Greg Kerner, Mr. Lansing Lugnut. He was out in Denver for his own boys' weekend for a couple of days there. We had a nice night Thursday, a little bit of the nightlife scene here in Denver. And then Saturday, my first ever MLS game. It was a lot of fun.
1: Wow. It sounds like a lot of fun. Did they win? Major, League O'Shea.
0: Win? Did Colorado, did Major League O'Shea. What's that?
1: Colorado O'Shea. Did Colorado win, is what I was asking.
0: Oh, uh, Colorado did not win. Um, interesting thing on that front, too. It was their fourth game of the season. And the three games leading up to Saturday, they had not scored a goal. So not only were they losing, they were not scoring. They did get one, uh, but they did lose that one. It was either 2-1 to one or 3-1 to one was the final. But it was neat to see. I, I'd never attended an MLS game before. I'd been to NBA games, NHL games, football games, hundreds of baseball games. So to see the highest level of soccer
1: in the United States was a little bit different. Now, the tournament was also in Denver last week. So did you attend any tournament games?
0: I did not. Kern went Friday. I had a concert lined up for Friday, and then the game plan Saturday. You know, Kern's a big soccer guy. The buddy that he was out here with is a big soccer guy. I am not a big soccer guy. So when they said, hey, look, we got a ticket Saturday. Are you interested? I thought, yeah, this is kind of good for me, right? If I'm going to go to a soccer game, let me go with soccer people. And what was pretty cool about what we did is we did not just have front row seats, we were in front of the front row, we were actually field level for the game. So the front row of fixed seats was behind us. We were on the field. The only thing separating us from the pitch was these LED boards. And that's a good way to take in a soccer match. You get a sense of the size of the athletes, the speed. I still had no idea what was going on, but it was cool to sort of be eye level with the players instead of being up in the nosebleeds.
2: Well, good for you for not running onto the field. I'm sure the temptation must have been very strong and uh, good for you for holding off on that. Did you steal the, game the ball?
0: ball was, well, the game ball was about eight feet to my right, and I thought about taking it. Sent you guys a video of that, uh, but it was cool. I, I did say to Kern, though, and I think – look, I'm not a soccer guy. Jeremy, you might have a counter to this. I think there's a major imbalance right now in Major League Soccer. Like, there are some cities and some markets – that have really embraced it. I think of Seattle, I think of Portland. Uh, Kern was telling me they got an awesome new stadium in Cincinnati. I've seen the new stadium in St. Louis, that looks nice. Then you've got these sort of older, like 20 to 30 year old stadiums, like the one here outside of Denver. It felt to me like I was at a triple A game versus the highest level of pro soccer in the U.S. That's kind of the vibe that I got. It doesn't help that it was 35 degrees and it was a night game, right? But the stadium is just sort of cheap, the fans weren't all that into it. It's not a very good team. It just—it felt like I was at an Iowa Cubs game versus a major league game. That's the comparison I made.
1: Yeah, I—I've I, uh, only ever attended one major league soccer game in my lifetime, and it was—it uh, was right after the World Cup. Actually, it was Chelsea against the Major League All Stars. and It ended up being like the Major League All Star uh, game, pretty much at and at, at Toyota, uh, in Toyota uh, down there in Bridgeview. So uh, that was the only time I did it. And that that stadium definitely didn't feel like, you know, yeah. a huge stadium. It, w- it was pretty fun to go to. I saw Lupe Fiasco perform at halftime. But there was a lot of crowd, a lot of people rooting for Chelsea. But, uh, and you know, that same was a disaster because the fire ended up moving back to Soldier Field. Yeah. But, yeah, some of these new soccer-specific stadiums do look pretty cool. Um, but not the one down in Bridgeview. That one, it kind of did give you that AAA feeling that I think you're talking about with out there in Colorado. Exactly what I thought. They opened within a couple of years of
0: each other, and it very much had that same vibe versus some of the newer stadiums. Um, One other thing on this front that I thought was funny is that we went to the official fan tailgate before the game. So not one that the team or the organization put on, but the fan base gets together and they rent out spaces in the parking lot. Those folks do not like Stan Kroenke. So even though I was there as just sort of this impartial soccer fan, I totally understood hatred for team ownership and frustration with team ownership. And I was able to bond with these soccer fans over their
2: distrust of sports owners. Assuming you were just walking around the parking lot going, screw Kroenke and getting responses like that. And that's how you were ingratiating yourself, telling them I'm one of you. And I imagine just that that's how you blend in.
0: Well, yeah, it was was an organized tailgate that the fans put on. You had to buy a ticket to it. You get a wristband, but they took care of you. They had – I thought you guys would like this. They had a portable oven in the tailgate, and they were baking fresh donuts pregame. So it's 40 degrees outside. Kern and I are standing out there. We got fresh donuts. He's a donut guy. I'm a donut guy. I thought, this is good. So next time we're at Miller Park – someone bring a portable oven we need fresh donuts at the tailgate we put it was just icing on the top of the cake there
1: time to make the donuts how far out of denver is the stadium or is it right there
0: no it's uh kind of near the airport so as okay. you know that's it's about 25 yeah. minutes out um surrounded by prairie dogs and uh sort of plains cool. area uh there is a nature preserve out that way that does have bison but um it was fun. I'm glad I did it. I would do another MLS game, but I just don't think that was top tier MLS. The time of the year, the temperature, the stadium. I'd love to see a game though, in a place like Portland or Seattle, where I know they've really embraced the sport out there.
2: Whatever you do, do not pet the prairie dogs. That's actually no. a, a major, major public health risk. You you do not want to be patient zero in a bubonic plague out, outber, outbreak there in Denver.
0: Well, Stan Kroenke, not well-liked here by the Colorado Rapids fans. Uh, But let's get back to the Cubs here. We are, like I said, a little over a week out from opening day, and a lot of news have trickled in from Mesa. Let's start with this, which came in today. I think Marcus Stroman broke the news himself, too, versus the Cubs doing it. He is the opening day starter for the Cubs here in 2023. I don't think this is a surprise for any of us, but at least now it's official Come next Thursday, Cubs Brewers at Wrigley, Stroman on the bump for the
1: Cubs. Definitely, I don't think it's a surprise at all. I mean, one, he's your highest paid starter, Um, so there's that. And number two, you know, right now he's the most, I would say, you know, the most dependable starter, I guess, that they have, the most where you know what you're going to get out of him. And he pitched pretty decently in the World Baseball Classic. I mean, he didn't have like a ton of strikeouts, but it was only nine innings, and he faced some good talent, so it's not like he's been struggling a lot. So, yeah, I'm excited to see Strowman. I I think he uh, I think it'll be interesting to see him out there on opening day. And he seems amped for it, you know, talking about the crowd at Wrigley or excuse me, talking about the crowd and everything. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a good choice. I I'm eager to see how this it looks. It follows up behind him, though, what the rotation is.
2: I believe today or tomorrow teams were actually encouraged to announce their opening day starter, or I guess in this case, allow their opening day starters to announce themselves. Uh, MLB wanted teams to kind of get everybody to announce it at once to, I guess, build up hype for opening day. So, you know, concerted effort. It looks like most teams either made that public or kind of hinted at it today. Uh, Part of MLB's uh, continuing initiatives to get people hyped up for opening day.
0: Yeah, and rightfully so. It's it's uh, should be a national holiday next Thursday when these games get started. I think the only other player that that we wanted to be in the mix for this was Kyle Hendricks. But as the offseason went on and it was apparent that he wasn't going to be ready, it was sort of, well, obviously it's going to be Stroman at this point. He pitched well for the Cubs last year, too. And that's the kind of guy, like, yeah, he should be the guy going first. Uh, You can make the argument whether or not you think he's a major league ace or an ace caliber starting pitcher. But certainly in Cubs camp right now, that is the guy with
1: Hendricks out who had to be on the mound. And at least now it's official. He's the only guy that you can look at with a a history of major league success. I would say, I mean, Jameson Tyone yeah, pretty successful pitcher, but not as successful as Marcus, Marcus Stroman. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how he pitches because he's going to really be throwing that sinker with that, with that infield defense behind him right this season. So I think we're all a little bit excited about that. So I, yeah, I think he's definitely got to be the guy you look at the rotation right now. uh, Is he a true ace? Probably not, but is he a Uh, number two or at least a very good number three yeah he probably is and right now the cubs don't really have a lot of guys that you can really look at and say that's a dependable guy other than marcus stroman who did get off to a slow start last year but he really kind of picked it up throughout the uh you know throughout the season the second half he pitched pretty well so hopefully he can continue that into his opening day start in this year
2: yeah there's no way it was going to be anyone else and notable is that he's obviously coming off a longer stint in the in the world baseball classic you know he's Probably built up just as much as he would have been had he been in camp. But that's a kind of a short turnaround. Puerto Rico wasn't eliminated all that long ago. And now he's turning right around and getting ready for opening day. So that's a short turnaround. But obviously, the Cubs have all the faith in the world that he can handle it and probably rightfully so. Yeah. Teams are
0: very careful with starting pitchers. You know, it's not like starters today on opening day go out and throw nine innings or eight innings or anything like that. If he gets five or, or even into the sixth inning, I think we'll all say, hey, good enough for opening day from Strowman, So he doesn't need to be fully stretched out yet. That'll happen
1: later into April, but yeah, let's get five innings out of him and keep him in a ball game next Thursday. And I and I would expect that the Cubs had, especially with, with Strowman and with uh, Team Puerto Rico, you know, talks and on what, what type of plan that Strowman was on. Plus, you know, the early rounds, each round they were able to throw more and more pitches and go deeper in, so they ramped it up. And I, so I, I can't imagine that Strowman was really off of what the Cubs' plan was for him. They were probably accounting for this. So, and having to come in and pitch on opening day as well. Yeah, he'll be ready to go come next
0: Thursday. um, Hopefully the offense shows up with him and maybe the Cubs open the year with a W. The other side of the starting rotation, there's a big question mark. Who is number five in the starting rotation for the Cubs? And that's still up for debate here over the next week or so. But one name that is no longer in the mix, Caleb Killian. Probably a long shot, certainly not the favorite coming into camp here to earn that number five job. But now again, we know okay, he gets to open up his season in Iowa. And this is a guy that will get a phone call at some point this year and get a chance to start at Wrigley. It's just not going to be here with the opening day breaking of camp.
1: I was excited for him. I thought he pitched pretty well his first opening or his first start in spring training. And he pitched pretty decently throughout spring training. So I'm just kind of excited to see him back like on the radar kind of to be, as you said, to be called up during this year. So yeah, I mean, it's expected that he wasn't going to start this year on the big league club that he's going to start on Iowa makes the most sense. He probably still has some things he has to work out, but I do think he's on a path right now that we could possibly see him, as you said, called up this year. And hopefully he throws himself and puts himself back into that position of being like a part of the Cubs future core.
2: Yeah. He and Jeremiah Estrada, uh, also option to Iowa in that same uh, the same round of camp cuts. Both guys, the equipment staff's going to keep jerseys real warm for them. These are both guys we're going to see with the major league team at some point this year, possibly sooner versus later in the case of Jeremiah Estrada, who had a great spring. uh yeah, this is this is procedural. It's a numbers game. It doesn't reflect on either of these guys. We're going to see both of these guys at Wrigley fairly soon. And uh, you know, you you might even
1: hope that in the case of Killian, it's for the the whole season. I would say for I, Estrada, though, or just to get onto that, that one did surprise me a little bit. Not that I thought like he was, a, uh, it wasn't unlikely for him to go down, but like he's one of the only guys they have that throw up pretty hard. He was pitching pretty well. He had pitched pretty well last season. So I thought there was a pretty good chance that he would have made the club. But, you know, as Randall said, I guess it is a numbers game. And he was one of the guys who had options to go down. But I, I was still a little surprised to see his name right away. Yeah. You know, he was a coin flip 50
2: 50. Notable, I think, is some of the names that have not been. kind of cut from Major League Camp yet. We say his name every week. Cam Sanders, I believe, is still... Uh, has not been cut from big league camp yet and uh, we know that's a guy that's probably making one of those last few bullpen decisions very difficult on the team so it is a numbers game to the point where if you're still on the inside looking out your day your odds get better and better with each day that goes by and like you know we're we are less than a week away from them having to probably set that opening day roster so it'll be really interesting to see who fills out those last few spots with some of the names that are still fighting for those spots
0: And it'll be a revolving door, right? If guys aren't pitching well in April, you go out, the next guy comes up. So in both of these players' cases, yeah, Killian and Estrada, just pitch well. Take care of what you can control in Iowa, and it's just a matter of time before we see it at Wrigley Field. Uh, Jeremy, I also like that point that you made a moment ago. Options are a big part of this, too. If you have an ability to go to the minor leagues without having to give up control of that player, that's going to work against you. And I think that that was probably the case with someone like Estrada right now. It doesn't hurt to send him to Iowa. He'll pitch well down there, and then he may be the first guy called up, in fact, when the next roster change happens here with the pitching staff.
1: We'll see. You know, April, You know, a lot of times this early season – the bullpen has to get itself like figured out and that just kind of comes through trial and error. We'll see the guys that succeed and the guys that don't, and the guys that don't will be gone and somebody else will come up behind them. And that's probably going to be a guy like Jeremiah Estrada. So I, I, as you said, you know, with the options working against you, right. You, there are probably some names that, you know, maybe some non roster invitees, I don't know if it's Tyler Duffy or whatever would make the bullpen that maybe you give them a chance early on. If they don't succeed, okay, he's gone. And then you can just bring Estrada back up. Um So that, that, Seems kind of common. so. Uh, but, yeah, I, I expect Jeremiah Stroud to have a major impact on the Cubs bullpen this year. He is one of the few, like, flamethrowing type guys that the Cubs yeah. have developed over the years. So it would be nice to see him coming out there throwing 98-99 uh, out of the bullpen. Well, here's a reliever I'm worried about. And this really bothers me because last
0: week on this show, we were all raving about him talking about Keegan Thompson, who has pitched actually effectively here in spring training four games, four innings. He is not allowed to run five strikeouts, two walks. But the problem is the velocity is down and it's down a couple of miles per hour right now. Should I be worried about this? Because anytime you get a loss in velocity, I think the first thing that comes to mind is injury. Is he hurt? Randall, should I be worried here
2: about Keegan? I'm going to say not worried just yet because it doesn't sound like he's injured. You know, they haven't said... It's a shoulder. It's an elbow. It's a forearm. He's still pitching. He's still working through this. And I think that's an encouraging sign. If he were hurt, we know that in spring, if you're hurt, they shut you down. If you, you sneeze and uh, you know tweak your side for a day. So the fact that he's still working through it, I think is an encouraging sign. We know guys go through that, uh, that so-called dead arm phase in spring. And it sounds like it's just something he's working through where his mechanics are out of whack and they want to kind of scale him back a little bit so that he doesn't throw something even worse out of whack, trying to throw harder. So it sounds like it's mechanical. It sounds like it's just everything not quite in sync. And it sounds like it's something that he's dealt with before at various times. So I wouldn't say you should be worried just yet. It's definitely something to watch for. And as I know we're going to get to in a second, I think it'll have an impact on the opening day roster. But I wouldn't worry about him just yet. I would say file it in that category of something
1: to keep an eye on. Uh, I think you should be worried, to be honest, in my opinion. I, I do too. I think, <laughs> I, yeah, I think, you know, there's a guy's coming out throwing miles per hour down, and honestly, if it's not really because of an injury and they don't really know why, that kind of almost seems more discouraging to me uh, because, like, if it's an injury, like, you can figure it out. Okay, guy, you can maybe rest it or surgery or whatever. needs to be, yeah, it would suck for the season, but you can kind of get back to it. If, if Keegan Thompson's just not capable of throwing 90 anymore, like, he's not going to be as effective of a pitcher, in my opinion. So I, I think it's kind of worrying, and maybe there is some sort of injury hiding in there that they haven't diagnosed and they don't know about, which is also a worrying thought. So I I, I hope for his sake and for Cubs fans' sake that it does come back, as Randall is saying. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of pretty worried about Keegan Thompson right now.
2: Now, it should be noted, it does sound like the team does have some idea what the issue is. And based on comments from David Ross and the coaching staff, it does sound like it's mechanical and something he's working through, rather than being a physical and injury related thing. So again, it's, you know, it's spring, they can obfuscate as much as they can be transparent at times. But, you know, it doesn't sound like it's a mystery. It sounds like they do have some idea of what the issue is, that something's just not synchronizing in his motion and his windup, and they are working through it. But, uh, you know, I don't blame you if you want to be worried, but it, it sounds like it's a, a non-injury issue that they've spotted and diagnosed, and they're just going to have him work through it. So I understand the concern. I'm going to try not to be worried just because it does
1: sound like they figured out what the issue is, and they're going to have them work, it, work through it. I hope, yep. I hope that's the case. <laughs> I hope they have figured it out and definitely haven't worked it. It's just, but it's been like every single time so far that he hasn't really shown anything. And uh, as you said, he has pitched effectively so far in the spring. But, you know, as I mentioned last week, if you look at a graph of like fastball velocity versus, you know, strikeout rate or ERA or anything, any pitching stat, pretty much, it's, there's a pretty big correlation between the more, the higher your fastball is, the better off you are pitching. And so if he's dripping on velocity, especially coming out of the bullpen, when it's, in the past he's ramped it up, uh, he's not going to be probably as successful. And maybe it is a mechanical thing. But if your mechanics are out of whack, that could also increase your chances for injury, as I do, I do think Randall knows that as well. So I, I'm pretty worried. <laughs> they, they
2: should just do to him what happens when I find my internet speeds are down a few miles per hour. Just turn them off for 10 seconds and turn them back on. It fixes everything.
0: Well, they've got options with Keegan. He can stay back in the training facility in Arizona, not break camp with the team, work out there with the training staff and and all the facilities that they have in Mesa they could send him to a place like Des Moines and have him open the year in AAA, or you just say, all right, screw it. You know what? The results have been okay. We're going to give this a shot and see if you can get this figured out in the major leagues with that team. Jeremy, what do you think is most likely right now? we got a week here. We're going to get an answer to this, but do you think he breaks camp with the team knowing what we know about
1: the drop in velocity? I still kind of lean towards him breaking camp with the team. I I, I still think as Randall said, maybe they could figure something out there mechanically I I still think you know until he's either hurt or injured or unsuccessful I guess doing what he's doing I I think they'll give him the chances to pitch and to see if he figures it out so right now I do think he probably will make the major league team
2: so I'm going to disagree with you Jeremy I think that they've got so many great options in that fifth starter slash Long reliever, bulk reliever, whatever you want to call him, roll. I think they are going to have him start the season either staying in Arizona or at Iowa because we have Mr. Javier Assad who, as we noted last week, pitched great for Team Mexico and then flipped me off as he was walking off the mound. Again, a little aggressive, but I don't blame him. Um, I think he's shown him he's acquitted himself very nicely this spring to the point where they might feel comfortable keeping Assad in the role that Thompson would have filled and having Thompson start the season not on the roster. So I'm going to go the opposite of you. I'm going to say Thompson starts the season not on the roster while they get this figured out and that Javier Assad slots in as that second bulk guy out of the bullpen.
1: I think both of them could make it. I, I don't think it's going to be a, a necessarily a one or the other. I think they both can, you know, fill a role on the, in the, like in the, out of the bullpen. I mean, both of them have shown they could also pitch in one inning situations. So I, I yeah, but you know, Keegan, obviously, I think Javier Assad has proven himself. I, I would be actually kind of surprised if he didn't make it. So uh he was, he was just nasty. And I, I, I don't know why you wouldn't want that arm coming out of the bullpen right now. Uh Even if he does have options, I still would think yeah. Javier Assad.
0: And Assad can be stretched out. He can do the multi-inning relief thing. He could make a spot start if they needed him in a role like that. We didn't see any multi-inning stints from Keegan Thompson so far. I'm just, I'm really worried. Like when a pitcher, a relief pitcher who moves from a starting pitcher to a reliever in order to go max velocity, right? And able to max out the arm, the fact that he's down like three miles per hour on the fastball, that's a huge red flag to me. So I'm worried, like, I think this is maybe the most important guy in the club's bullpen this year is Keegan Thompson. I do not think he's going to break camp unless in the next week here, he gets those miles per hour back up or at least they know exactly what's going on there. And maybe it's an intentional thing is they ramp him up to get closer to opening day. But this is the drama, the final week of spring training that we're going to see play out. Lots of roster decisions. The Cubs are going to have to make this one. Unfortunately out of their hands, say Suzuki will not be ready for opening day. There is some uncertainty about the return for him, whether it will be the middle of April or the end of April. He is starting that rehab track, but he's not going to be ready. So the big opening day right fielder, right? Not going to be on the lineup, not going to be with the Cubs here when they leave Arizona.
2: You know, think I think we expected that. I think when the nature of the injury became clear, I think opening day was uh, off the table, basically immediately, according to everyone, but Saya himself, understandably, but it does sound like he's progressing. He's taking swings in the cage. He's doing some running. He's getting into those exercises. My only concern is that he's so, Eager to get himself back out there, especially after experiencing what had to have been just incredible fear of missing out, watching his would be teammates do what they did in the world baseball classic. I'm just a little worried that he's going to push himself a little more than he should. He ends up re-injuring the oblique and he ends up out even longer, but you know, I'm the guy sitting here on a podcast. He's the the professional baseball player. Got to trust him. Got to trust the training staff. It sounds like he's working hard to safely come back maybe a little earlier than we
1: expected. And if he's able to do that
2: without re-injuring himself, good for him. I believe in you, a Suzuki.
1: I, I agree with you, Randall. I, I think that, uh, He, you know, from the sounds of it right now, it sounds like he's a little bit ahead of schedule of what they kind of expected. Maybe mid April could be it. But to me, I, I, I don't think it's necessary for him to really push to get there. Like if you, if you just take it as you take, you don't have to be back so early. I feel like, you know, early in the season right now, I mean, the Cubs were, I would like to see him back early and competitive, but I also want to see him not re-injure himself and not overdo things and not make it a worse situation uh for him to pass, like we saw with cole hamels who had an oblique injury in the past he overdid it not necessarily with the cubs and it kind of screwed him up for a while so i i, I would like to see say, a not super pushed we know he pushed pretty hard in the off season just to get to that kind of playing weight he's now at so i but yeah i i, w- I hope he is back and ready to go and i expect a big year for him whenever he does return yeah we, we
2: use the phrase it's a numbers game statistically you know, you you see a lot fewer guys come back sooner than expected from these oblique strains than you do uh, trying to push themselves to come back sooner and ending up injuring themselves and staying out for longer. I'm not saying say I can't do it. I'm saying the, the odds are the, that as far as recovery time from this injury, they're not necessarily in his favor. And like you said, like I'm sure Ronan agrees. We just don't want to see him push himself to the point where he misses more time. That's the that's the big concern.
0: So say is out. We're not going to see him next Thursday at Wrigley. I asked you guys this a couple of weeks ago, and now we need a more definitive answer. Randall, who is the starting right fielder? The Cubs take the field at Wrigley field next Thursday.
2: Patrick wisdom.
0: Wow. Patrick
1: wisdom in the right field. I think, you know what? I think, I think, I think the guy you mentioned last time, I think it could be Mike Tachman.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. Um, Velasquez in the mix as well yes. it's just a bummer that say is not going to be there if it's wisdom randall first frosty of the year on you if patrick wisdom's the starting
2: right fielder next week who's the third baseman randall If patrick wisdom's in right field edwin rios wow wow okay now here's my question if, if it is wisdom why is the frosty on me shouldn't it be on you because well, i guess to correctly. you like the first oh, to one, me to, yes, okay no yes, I, yes. I i understand. i agree to your terms i agree to your terms yeah.
0: Yeah, you get the first one if you uh, accurately predict the starting right fielder. But a bummer. I think we can all agree that. I was thinking about Seiya last night, watching the World Baseball Classic, Japan, defeating the United States in the title game Tuesday night. That is the third championship in five events for Japan, bringing home the gold or winning that event. They're out there dogpiling at the end of the game. and You see the Suzuki jersey, right? Seiya. Now, Fox Sports tweeted Ichiro they had that completely wrong. But say it there, at least in spirit, with Team uh, Japan, there celebrating on the mound
2: in Miami. I don't want to harsh the vibe here. I'll get this off real quick, but I need to rant for a quick second. That Fox Sports MLB account is awful. It's like you handed a mildly knowledgeable but otherwise obnoxious 14-year-old the keys to an account for a major broadcast partner MLB account, and they just do the dumbest shit with it. Oh, my goodness. It's Randall! awful, awful account. Was that intentional?
0: Do you think they intentionally tweeted that knowing it would go viral and generate interest? Or
2: was it just incompetence on behalf of the person generating the tweet? incompetence never assume subterfuge where simple human incompetence is the answer it's incompetence you see a Suzuki 51 jersey for Japan you assume it's ichiro either though no, ichiro always wore his first name his given name on his jerseys it's just incompetence it's just lack of knowing what it is you're tweeting about it, yeah it, bad bad account awful account I don't like it I don't care for it and it's not good either
1: the man does not like it uh but no. uh yes I agree with you Randall there and the fact that you know Ichiro always wore Ichiro fifty one, like exactly. It was so that's why it wasn't a Seiya. It was a Seiya Suzuki uh, jersey. Also, the fact that you would know throughout the whole tournament, they were holding up the Seiya Suzuki uniform in the dugout everywhere because he was supposed to be a member of the team. It's just a complete lack of awareness. But I don't. I don't want my ranting yeah. to get in the way of what was,
2: <laughs> of what was a fantastic event. Yeah, uh, we were we were privileged. To watch that last night. You know, a lot of people saying things about the WBC players get injured as if that can't happen in the spring, that people don't pay attention to it, that nobody cares. And, you know, I don't pay attention to these people, but I assume that they were very quiet last night. That was one hell of a ball game. Yeah.
0: Well, Randall, I got a rant coming for you in a minute, too, but let's start with the good stuff, right? Like you're saying, it was a great ball game, and how perfect was it for this event? And this has been building up for months, getting to this point, that it's the two best teams, Japan and the United States, and the two best baseball players in the world, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, defending their countries with a one-run game in the ninth inning, game on the line. Otani got it right. He got the strikeout on an unbelievable pitch, but those were the two best baseball players in the world. They happen to be teammates and we got to see them head to head. That's the theater that you sign up for with an event like this. It was perfect.
2: Uh, MLB did just a fantastic job pulling the levers behind the scenes like the old Buffalo Wild Wings commercials where somebody would press a button, pull a lever, keep the game going longer. Whoever was uh, behind the curtain. For that game last night was pressing all the right buttons, everything, everything lined up and the whole game, are we going to get to see Otani get to pitch to Trout and for it to come with the game on the line, the final out in a movie, you'd say it's too much in a live sporting event. There's just no great way to describe it. Just, just a fantastic game, a fantastic ending, a fantastic clash of Titans as teams and individuals. I, I can't say enough good things about this event and how entertaining it was to watch
1: it was a great tournament and it did very well and i'm happy to see it doing really well because the 2017 tournament was also a phenomenal tournament it was a great <laughs> tournament and i do think it's kind of set the stage for this tournament because Mike Trout himself even said the 2017 tournament was like i loved watching it i don't know why i'm not a part of that and but that was all on like MLB network only the championship game was basically on espn 2 uh and that had it had gone kind of by the wayside because the first kind of events didn't really make an impact well this event made an impact like at the 2017 kind of brought it back, and then the 2023 one, like, I think cemented it for good. I don't think anybody in the future, if they can, as a Major League Baseball player, is going to is gonna be, I don't want to play in that. I think everybody is going to want to play. I think the the list of players that want to come out in 2026, it's going to be crazy. I don't think, who wants to play in the spring training game? Nobody's going to want to play in the spring training game. What we saw last night, you know, it was a great game. It wasn't the pinnacle of the games that we saw, but it was a championship game. And as you said, we got Otani versus Trout. Just the whole narrative and storyline behind it. I mean, it wasn't Mike Montgomery versus Michael Martinez to end Game Seven of the World Series. It was it was up there, and it was crazy just to see and to get Mike Trout swinging three times on that slider. And think about all of what Shohei Otani did last night. Not only yeah. is he like beating out balls to first base running down the line. Not only is he hitting balls 114 miles per hour. Not only is he getting those strikeouts and shutting down the team, he's doing all of that while running back and forth from the bullpen yeah, because he's got to come and hit, and then he's going back to the bullpen to warm up, and the whole thing, it's crazy to think how crazy, skilled, and talented Shohei Otani is, and he deserved every bit of being the MVP. He thought it could have been Trey Turner, but Shohei Otani proved that he was the MVP of that tournament. And how great
2: not just was the baseball, but everything around it, the Mexico-Japan semifinal that, of course, Japan winning in the most dramatic of fashions, Mexico manager Benji Hill, uh, Gill after the game, you know, he says, we lost tonight, but baseball won. And he talks about what that game is going to do for baseball in Mexico and getting kids to play baseball Uh, after the game last night, Pedro Martinez. A pitcher of no shortage of talent and and, and uh, reputation himself has Shohei Otani come over to the post game set and just tells him what a fantastic player he is and how lucky we are. Pedro Martinez again, one of the game's great pitchers, has Shohei Otani come over said so he can tell him what a fantastic player he is. How great was the baseball, but not just not just the baseball, everything around it. Uh, the, the post-game speeches, the, everything it did for the game, what this tournament was, it was an argument for itself. It sold itself. And like Jeremy said, you're not going to have anybody sleeping on the next edition of the tournament now that we've gotten such a, a perfect edition in this round.
1: Can I, can I go on a little bit of a rant? Randall got his rant. Yeah, we got to make an equal opportunity. opportunity. All right. We just witnessed what was kind of an amazing, an amazing baseball tournament. What you would want to grow the game, I think everybody had a fantastic time watching it. Uh, even you know, here you, you hear about like it, 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 it pushed through. Like nobody really talks about baseball in March, but this, this pushed through, yeah. But for as great as it all was, can we talk about the fact that baseball, major league baseball, Fox Sports, whoever it is, is still putting on people that are like criticizing and basically attacking baseball. As it's played, while this fantastic thing is going on, we don't. Why why are we hearing from people that are down, like downplaying everything, like John Smoltz in the announcers' booth? It's it's so such a chore to listen to him every game. Then we come back after the game, we have to hear from A. Rod and David Ortiz bashing analytics, and that's the reason why the U.S a team loss because baseball as it's played in the United States or whatever is not as pure or whatever as it's played in Japan. Why are you bashing baseball as it's played in the United States after we just saw this fantastic thing for the sport? And, you know, Aaron went on about the all or nothing plan and David Ortiz agreed with him. But, like, Aaron, you were fifth all-time in strikeouts. You're, like, seven, six 696 home runs. How are you not an all or nothing player? Do you not realize you weren't up there bunting? Like, that's the way the game's played. That's the way you played the game. I don't get it. And that's my rant. And it, it angers me to like when we have this fantastic thing that's happening and then they're they're like trying to denigrate the game and I don't understand. No other sport would do that. No other sport like football, they're not going to talk about, well, you know, after the Super Bowl, a fantastic Super Bowl, well, you know, it wasn't really that good. It was better back when like I don't get that. It's terrible. That's my rant.
2: Jeremy, you're 100% correct. Just as this tournament was an argument for itself, there's no Nobody who argues against the game harder than some of the national broadcasts. And unfortunately, that's an unfortunate side effect of Fox having this tournament where, like you said, MLB Network and a little bit of ESPN had the last one and ESPN has had previous ones. That's an unfortunate side effect of Fox having the broadcast rights to this tournament is that their so-called number one broadcast team, which happens to include John Smoltz, was on the call for the biggest game. And I agree that brought down the game just a little bit. And fortunate are we that the games were just so damn good otherwise that even John Smoltz couldn't necessarily bring them down.
0: I it's mean it's
1: to Sunday night on ESPN.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um it's tough though. And and it's I'm not even a huge fan of Joe Davis, the play-by-play broadcaster. He seems to be the hot name in broadcasting these days, and I don't fully get it. The broadcast felt very stuffy to me, and they were forcing a lot of storylines, like over and over and over again. I'm watching the game, guys. I don't need to be told every other inning what an incredible thing we're watching here, right? I'm I'm literally watching it. I'm aware. You don't have to tell me how to feel. Let me watch it and take it in. So I'm pretty put off by the Fox broadcast booth. It wasn't enough to ruin the tournament or anything for me, but it does make you wonder what the executives are thinking. Like, who does that serve? You're trying to build an audience here, right? There may be some uh, older baseball fans who don't like the way the sport looks right now that maybe agree with someone like Smoltz, but they're going to be watching the game anyway. You're trying to get younger folks. You're trying to get casual fans to tune in and buy into the product and then let that carry over into the regular season for strong ratings across major league baseball. That crew doesn't do it for me. Not at all. I I didn't have fun with the broadcasters
1: at all. And it takes away from it a little bit for me, but at least the games were compelling. Yeah. And I mentioned, like, as you said, you're trying to build the sport, build the brand, build major league baseball, right? Get younger viewers involved. And they did a fantastic job of doing that. But then at the end of the game, you have to hear the bash the way baseball is played. Yeah. The regular season is played. And you're like, well, this is so much better than whatever. The regular season's not as good. Like, you know, the things have turned into a way, the way they play the game. Why would you want to turn into the regular season then? Like you built the game up and then you're going and you're just denigrating the way the game is played now. So I, I don't get it. It made me kind of angry. It makes me angry when you could watch something that's so good. Everybody, like even, you know, there are some trolls or whatever hot take artists that, you know, they're kind of committed to their craft. They have to basically at some point they stake out a position so far they just can't, you know, come back from that. But 99% of like the average person, normal people that are watching it thought that was a fantastic thing to watch. And and it was. It truly was. And should be noted, 90% of
2: those individuals you mentioned all had their shows advertised during these Fox broadcasts. That's another, another great side effect of Fox having uh, the broadcast rights to this tournament.
0: Well, I've got one thing from this tournament that did bother me. You know, the broadcasting, it's, it's whatever. I was able to enjoy the game sort of beside that. Um, i got a problem, though, with Team USA. Wonderful lineup, right? I was looking at the starting lineup going to the game yesterday, and, you know, you keep Schwarber in there versus the lefty. It puts Mullins in left field. You don't have someone like Alonzo in the lineup. And still, star-studded lineup, start to finish. You're looking at those guys going, these are all All-Stars. This is a great lineup. I had to watch Merrill Kelly. Pitch in a decisive game for Team USA. I don't like that. And I know some injuries have impacted the starting rotation, but my complaint here is to the American pitchers across Major League Baseball. Where's Verlander? Where's Garrett Cole? Where's Woodruff and Nola and Bieber? Why am I watching Kyle Freeland in the most important game of the year for Team USA? Why am I watching Merrill Kelly? Come on, guys. The US lineup, the defensive play, fantastic the pitching was lacking and it was so obvious in the start of that second inning, Kelly Kelly was about to get shelled and it ended up being a big difference in the ball game. So we need some better starting pitching with team USA moving forward. Very disappointing to see that.
2: You know, I said it all tournament is this is not a serious rotation when Lance Lynn Ends up being your best and most reliable pitcher. I mean, you started. You said you got to see Merrill Kelly pitch a decisive game. You also got to see Adam Wainwright pitch a decisive game, and it you know it could have gone very differently. Fortunately, it ended with a USA win and a a decisive one at that. But. Yeah, the starting pitching was not inspirational. It's not the best MLB MLB's American players have to offer. And like you said, there were some injury things. Nestor Cortez Jr. of the Yankees was supposed to have been in there. He injured himself. Clayton Kershaw was supposed to be in there, which, you know, at this stage in his career, that's maybe not a huge difference, but there were issues with the insurance on him. Uh, But yeah, and and again, this was such a great tournament. We talked about how Trout was watching the 2017 tournament and said, man, I got to get in there next time. Hopefully the up and coming starting pitchers or the guys who are up and coming right now and will be established veterans in in three or four years, hopefully they saw this and they said, man, I've got to be a part of that. But Rony, you hit the nail on the head. This is not a serious starting rotation that Team USA got through as far as they did with the starting rotation, I think is a bit of a minor miracle. You need better starting pitching next time. I'm about to say some nice
0: things about Dylan Cease when we get into some of the award winners here, but I'm mad at you, Dylan Cease, because the Americans could have used you last night. I don't hate Kyle Freeland, right? I've, I've, I've sort of taken a warm spot to the Rockies. I've seen him pitch probably 12 or 15 games. I called some of the games that he played in college when he was in the Missouri Valley Conference. I've cheered for Kyle Freeland for a long time. I didn't want to see him in that game last night, and it's just a little bit unfortunate because one other thing that stood out to me between both of those teams last night, the U.S. and Japan, how good was the defense for both of those teams? You also see that in all-star games. There's not a lot of errors that get committed in all-star games, which helps out pitching. It's such a joy to watch defensively sound teams in both Japan and the U.S. were awesome
1: in the field last night. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, just to go back a little bit, we see that from the Cubs with their... Their defense this season, because we know they put the, a lot on the defense. But to remark back on the the pitching, uh, yeah, as Randall mentioned, you know, with Kershaw, there was the insurance issue, uh, and I think you know some of it is, I think some of it is also with the teams. Like teams are a lot more restrictive with their pitchers. It's a lot easier to let a position player go do something like that. You know, I uh, their injuries. Yeah, we saw Altuve get a a broken thumb or whatever, but. You're not really worried about arm injuries, you know, certain pitch limits, all that stuff. So I think some of it is the restrictions, and I think they need to. And Manfred said this, and he says in the future we need to work out a way to get the better pitchers here, because that's something they need to do. Uh and it, it, the U.S. needs to do it. I agree with you. I, I would point out somehow they only limited that Japan team to three runs, which was crazy. And but when you looked at the the Japan pitching staff, they're throwing like hundred miles an hour every guy, yeah. and the the American pitching staff. Which we have tons of flamethrowers in this country. We're basically, you know, trying to trying to just get by with, you know, you know, like Adam w. Red's curveball, Lance Lynn just mixing up some speeds on his fastball. Merrill Kelly's not throwing super hard. But uh yeah, the pitching definitely was an issue. Uh you would think that in the future, hopefully we can get some better pitchers, but I think that's also gonna take some work with the organizations themselves. I think it, it it's it's not gonna just be as simple as the guys saying they want to play, because I think there's some other factors that go into it.
2: Jeremy, I think that's an excellent point. Pitchers do have so much money tied up in their arms and teams are so protective of those arms that I suspect there were probably more than a few behind the scenes conversations where the player probably said to their organization, I'd like to pitch. And the organization said, we can't stop you, but we'd really prefer you not. And we are the ones paying your salary. I suspect that conversation went on in you know more than a few kind of phone calls and Zoom meetings over the offseason. And regarding the relievers too, I don't think any reliever was allowed to pitch on back-to-back days, and I think that made a big difference too. Unfortunately, that didn't bite Team USA in the butt too badly. Mark DeRosa, I don't know that I saw a whole lot from him that makes me think he's got a, you know a future as a big league manager. It's like why are you leaving Daniel Bard in there? Have you wow. nobody else who can who can come in there and try and get an out? But uh, maybe he just needs a little more seasoning. But yeah, there are a lot of restrictions on the pitchers and. I think you're always going to have trouble getting your top starting pitchers to commit to it, but there's still a lot of B-tier and even C-tier guys who would have been better than what Team USA was running out there in the rotation.
1: Yeah, I, I will say that, you know, other countries probably don't have quite as big of an issue with that. I mean, Mark DeRosa said that part of the reason, and I don't know if it's just him making excuses or whatever, but, you know, part of the reason was he was kind of limited by some of these restrictions that teams have put on their players, their pitchers saying, I can't go to this guy. I can't take this guy out of the bullpen because I have to let him, I have to let certain guys pitch certain round pitches. I mean, I believe Lance Lynn, I think I saw him somewhere say that he wanted to pitch out of the bullpen last night, you know, and the White Sox were like, no, you're, you just started like two days ago. You're not throwing out of the bullpen for the championship game. Uh, you know, he wanted to offer that up to DeRosa and, and the White Sox just totally shut him down. And so, which makes sense, obviously, you know, you're looking for the White Sox, you're trying to gear for a regular season. It makes sense that, that, but uh, you know, so I I do think there are those factors that play into it as well. And Manfred acknowledged it. And he said, he's, they're going to work on trying to remove some of those factors and make it easier for these pitchers to get in. And, you know, and Kershaw had that insurance injury uh, situation. So I, that probably plays into it as well. Like, you know, Kershaw couldn't get insurance. The the, uh, Edwin Diaz, his whole salary is being covered by insurance this year. Like the Mets had insurance on him. He's, they're not going to pay him a dime. It's all going to come out of insurance. Dodgers didn't get that with Kershaw, and so Dodgers are like, no, you're not going. Do you think they have State Farm, or do you think they have Allstate on
2: uh, Edwin Diaz's uh, patellar tendon? I think Major League Baseball actually offers it.
0: Interesting. Um, tough break, but, obviously, yeah. for the Mets. Uh, but, no, I thought DeRosa was fine. I, Randall, I think Mark DeRosa will be a Major League manager next season. He will oh. be with a team in the Majors next season.
2: Now, let me clarify. Let me clarify. Maybe he does have a future as a major league manager ahead of him, a future as a good major league manager. I think it's fair to say the jury is still out. I'm not going to say that whatever deficiencies he showed in the WBC are going to keep him from a job because there are very few things that will keep a guy From a major league manager job especially when you have a guy like DeRosa even without managerial experience up until now who was a former player he's been around the game most of his life he's very visible as a television personality that's the kind of guy major league teams love hiring as a manager the Chicago Cubs are being managed by such a guy right now
1: can I can I say though I did think it was pretty funny when they were hyping up Mark DeRosa's like managerial chops I say, well, Mark DeRosa spent last season like managing in his living in, room. Yeah. Managing in his living room. I'm like, every fan does that. Every fan says, well, the manager should have done this or keep track or he could have done that. Like, what, how does that make Mark DeRosa? qualified? I mean, yes, he was a former player. He's whatever. But that specifically does not make Mark DeRosa qualified to be a major league manager. Otherwise, you know, all baseball fans are qualified to, to be major league managers. It's a tough spot for him, having never managed before,
0: to be on the international stage like that. Um, but I, even had they won, I don't think it would have changed my opinion. I think he's going to be big league manager next year. I mean, the, where there is smoke, there is fire. And there's been a lot of smoke around Mark DeRosa the last couple of years. There's not enough of a sample in what we just saw there. I think players like him. I think owners like him. And I think he's going to have a job as a big league manager next year. And I don't like to speak badly about any 2008 Chicago Cub except Ryan Terrio.
1: That's fair. Yeah, I agree with you. I actually like Mark DeRosa a lot as a player, and I've always enjoyed him. Great player. Very useful player. But I will say, in my opinion, the way, man, the USA baseball team should be managed in the future, I liked when they used to go back to like an old legendary manager who was retired. Like the 2000 Olympic team that won the gold medal was managed by Tommy Lasorda. The 2017 team that won the uh, World Baseball Classic was managed by Jim Leland, right? So you get these old guys that are legendary guys that are a little bit out of baseball and they're coming back to manage and I think that's fun like Mark DeRosa who's coming off the TV set I don't find that as fun to me plus he's not an experienced. not to bad mouth Mark DeRosa though I do enjoy you know Henry Drew as your hitting coach Eddie Pettit as your pitching coach though I don't know how much like Eddie Pettit is actually doing to help the pitching coming out of the bullpen but uh, yeah I, I always like the Leland the sort those type of guys getting the getting the, the shot at the job
2: Jeremy, I agree. That is entertaining. It is fun to see John, Jim Leland come out of retirement, pack of smokes in his pocket, and, you know, manage Team USA. I wonder if Joe Madden doesn't get nope, another nope, managerial nope. job. Nope, 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 nope. Okay. 2026
1: Lou Pinella, manager of yeah. Team USA. <laughs> All right, let's make it happen. I figured like a guy like Bruce Bochy could have been a shot, but he got an actual real managerial he job. Did. That he did.
0: So that was the fifth installment of the World Baseball Classic. Japan had previously won in 2006 and 2009. They win it here in 2023 couple years off now. Next event will happen in 2026. No specific sites yet for that. So we're not sure if it's going to be in Texas, if they go back to San Diego. Remember they had that one in San Francisco. Maybe that's not going to be the landing spot, but we'll see. Lots to look forward to. There is a very good possibility that last night's championship game will end up being the most watched baseball game of all time internationally. So once we get the final numbers from Japan and here in North America, that is something that I'm going to be looking out for. But attendance way up across the world baseball classic international viewership way up and just a super fun final game even if the americans ended up losing
2: and i'm gonna say this we all know of my disdain for the miami marlins it is legendary known across all the dying realms but i will say that the lone depot park i don't know whatever it calls itself now ended up being a great venue how perfect is it that you had mexico playing in a semifinal game in that ballpark that you had cuba of all teams playing a semifinal game in that ballpark. So just a perfect storm of venue and city and the teams participated. So again, I'm not saying anything good about the Marlins here because I'm, I'm better than that, but I I will say it was an excellent host venue and it ended up being an, a perfect host city for the teams that were involved. You know who I didn't notice Marlins man. Oh, he was there. Oh, was was he? Okay. I just, I didn't see him. I don't know if he was there last night, but he, he was definitely there in the semifinal games, like a big orange stain Sitting right behind home plate. Hard to get off your TV. Well,
0: speaking of TV,
1: structure though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that um, last week. Yeah. I missed the, the structure in left center. I missed the fishes back behind home plate in the backstop, but apparently that was awful for them. Uh, I guess the fishes yeah. being in the water with yeah. baseballs and bats flying yeah. at them with fans, with the lighting, with the video board, the fish weren't a big fan of that. So a cool idea, but in terms of execution, it really wasn't feasible down there. Uh, I mean, they're humans probably-
2: wouldn't be a fan of that. And the fish brain is, is very different.
1: Uh, yeah. They're probably like me at Miller park, you know, they're not they're <laughs> freaking out there. A little bit. <laughs> well, that actually is something a final point on this
0: is we don't have a site for the next installment of world baseball classic and i texted our group here the other night somewhat facetiously hey we got to go to the next world baseball classic final what about miller park and what i'm actually getting at is this what if you spread this event across the united states you obviously have to be in a domed stadium if you're going to be leaving the south But why wouldn't a place like Milwaukee be a viable option for this? Maybe not in 2026, but down the road. Let the very good baseball culture in the Midwest get a little taste of the World Baseball Classic.
1: Let Team Canada invade Wisconsin.
2: <laughs> I'm for it. They can forcibly annex it.
0: <laughs> or Toronto. They're talking about yeah, major Toronto. renovations there or a new ballpark. I hope Major League Baseball and the World Baseball Classic thinks outside of the box with that. We're not going to see it at Wrigley Field. That's not going to work. But Dome Stadiums in the north, why not Seattle? Seattle would be a great facility for something like this. So I hope it's something they consider.
2: Seattle and Toronto have definitely come to mind in thinking about future venues for this. Um, I am wondering if they do want to keep. The, the venues kind of below certain latitudes only because you can be a little more sure the weather is not going to be a factor just for travel reasons. Uh, you know, you're a lot less likely to get uh, like a interfering winter weather in Miami or in Southern California than or in Texas. I suppose, versus, say, Toronto, which, you know, can still be unpredictable this time of year. So I'm wondering if just for travel purposes, where you've got teams coming from Asia and you've got teams coming from uh, other distances away, if they want to try and take a little bit of that uh, variable out. But, you know, if that's not an issue, absolutely. Seattle and Toronto, I think, would be fantastic host venues for future games. Randall just
0: can't give the old Milwaukee folks their spot in the sunlight here. I'm going to predict it. 2026 olympic stadium world baseball classic championship the one billion dollar park let's see it happen
2: all right I'm, i'm down
0: uh some other broadcasting news here this impacts the cubs actually the first two months of the season apple tv plus still has their game of the week here's the problem for baseball fans it will no longer be free this season so last year if you did not have an apple tv plus subscription you could still watch those games broadcast live for no charge this year You've got to pay for it. And this impacts the Cubs twice that we know of now. April 7, Cubs Rangers, that's a Friday at Wrigley. That's going to be on Apple TV Plus. May 12th in Minneapolis against the Twins. That will also be on Apple TV Plus. Monthly costs there, about $7 to pay for this service. But for those of you that are paying for cable, you're paying for marquee. For someone like me who's paying for MLB.tv we cannot watch this game unless you're also paying for apple tv plus
2: i don't like it i don't i don't like it one bit like you said you're already paying whatever costs you're paying to watch the game whether that's cable and your cable bill did go up if you are on a cable system that gets marquee and that's part of the the carriage fee the whole thing that kept marquee off of most cable systems for As long as it did, so you're already paying for your cable. You're already paying for Marquee. It's incredibly silly, Jeremy. You're the hockey guy. I know the NHL does this, where certain games are only on uh, one of the streaming services. I think it's extremely silly, and I think for all of MLB, whatever they think they're doing with the pitch clock to try and draw new people in, I don't know who this is for exactly in making games exclusive to a paid
1: streaming service. I'm not who that's. I'm not sure who that's for. It's for Apple TV Plus. It's for Apple TV Plus. It's for Major League Baseball and the 30 plus owners. They're getting, you know, paid lots and lots of money to air the, those games. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of the future as it is right now. I mean, we we we've talked about the kind of broadcast model of you know the RSNs and and even to a greater extent, you know, the deal of the cord cutting and and what what's happening with cable bundles and all that stuff. Like that's all kind of dying, right? You know, people are cutting the cords. Cable subscriptions are going down. What's replacing is all these separate kind of different streaming services. And now we're, we're seeing it last year, you know, it was free. Anybody could watch it. I watched it a little bit. Fortunately, I, I mean, I do have an Apple TV plus subscription, so it will, uh, I will be able to watch these games. You know, you got to get that Ted Lasso that uh, mythic quest in there. Um, but uh, yeah, it kind of does suck. I do agree with you. And uh, you know, we're going to see it with like the big 10, they're going to go to Peacock. So, and Peacock's going to be, you know, start charging for things. Um, this is kind of just the future, the way it is. And, and, I personally always kind of preferred the bundle kind of service. You know, you would get a cable, you get everything. Now we've kind of moved to more of the a la carte option where now it's like everything's on, everybody has their own service and you have to pay everybody, you know, to get whatever it is. And it, I think that kind of sucks, but that's kind of the future of what's happening. And hopefully, somewhere, somehow, we can kind of, you know, there could be some sort of, I don't know, necessarily about regulation or whatever, but hopefully it just plays out that maybe we're not all paying this, you know, I, even more money just to get all different services to watch the games. But uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I agree with you. guys.
0: I don't like barriers for fans trying to access the sport. And that's all that it is like, yes, I can, I can manage here, right? Jeremy, you've got the subscription, right? You can just turn on the game. It's not really going to impact you. I don't pay for Apple TV plus, but I know how bootlegging works. So I'm going to find a way to watch those games and I'm not going to have to pay for it. Right. Major league baseball is pushing me to doing that. That's how I'm going to go about doing it. But there's a lot of fans that don't want to watch those streams. They don't know how to watch those streams. And you're putting another barrier between them actually accessing the sport. And that game at Wrigley, April 7, that's a Friday afternoon at Wrigley Field, middle of the day. That was the bread and butter for the Cubs that made them the valuable franchise, the nearly $5 billion franchise that they are today. Putting those games on WGN in Chicago for free and WGN on cable nationally. It was those midweek day games that turned the Cubs from, yeah, another good baseball team, a historic baseball team to the fourth most valuable team in Major League Baseball. So I hate this. I hate the fact that it's going to be harder for people to watch it. But Tom Ricketts, Dick Monfort, I will be watching those games. Uh, Whoever runs Apple, who runs Apple right now? Uh, What's
1: his name? Who's The Apple guy. Cook. Cook. Mr. Cook. Tim Apple, as Donald Trump would call. Mr. Cook, Mr.
0: Monfort, Mr. Ricketts, none of you will be getting money, and I will still be watching those games. But I don't like what this does for other fans, and I don't like – The fact that are we going to get to a point where every day of the week you have to pay a different subscription fee in order to watch those games? That's a little bit extreme, right? But it feels like it's trending that way. And I don't think it's good for the health of the sport.
2: Ronan, I I know what a purist you are. I know what a man of tradition you are. How are you going to feel that Friday game against the Rangers that we're mentioning where – It's a day game at Wrigley. It's Friday. The Cubs are wearing the Wrigleyville uniforms, and you're having to watch the Apple TV broadcast by whatever means. Are you just going to sit there and go, we used to be a proper country the entire game? Well, I think
0: no. No, I'll be complaining that they're not wearing their home whites, which is what the Cubs should be wearing every time that they're at Wrigley Field. Um, But I think the thing that softens all of this for me is you can still listen on the radio. That is free, whether you're in Chicago or elsewhere. And we have a Hall of Fame broadcaster that calls the games on the radio. So if I weren't able to watch that game, at least there's that free option to listen to Pat doing his thing. But this sucks. This sucks for baseball fans. This is one thing and one thing only. Short-term profit for Major League Baseball owners. It's the only thing that I think that they're concerned with. It's more money in their pocket this year and next year, having this partnership with Apple TV+, Plus, even if it means less of these fans that want to watch the game are going to have access to it. And I don't like the optics of it. Of that, I don't like the broader trend that it's setting. I don't want to be totally negative. So let me say one nice thing about Apple TV Plus. The broadcasters should be better this year. Katie Nolan, fired. Why she was ever a play by play broadcaster for Major League Baseball and Apple TV Plus is insane. That was never her job. That was never her skill set. Apple TV plus at least is investing in actual play-by-play broadcasters. Wayne Randazzo's got more games this year. Alex Foss, who I think is the LA Kings broadcaster, professional broadcaster. He's a play-by-play voice. More of that, less social media studio hot topic person like Katie Nolan, who has no business calling play-by-play of major league baseball games. I think that's a win for the fan.
1: Yeah, definitely. I had the, the, Broadcast was pretty, uh, the announcing was not very good last year. Also, those weird, like, graphics on the screen of, of the, the probability of getting here. Which I like the idea of, but this, it didn't work out because they were all, like, completely wrong. They didn't make any sense. But I, just going back to the Apple TV Plus, yeah, I mean, I am I agree with you. It is a short-term game. I don't like putting barriers up. I think it's it's not good. I think they should have worked out a better way to kind of try to figure out to, to do this. I mean, I do understand the that you know, the RSNs—they're losing lots of money right now because cable subscriptions are going down, and and that's how pretty much like that's how they they got paid. Like you were basically subscribing to the channel through your bundle, and uh, when you were paying for cable, and now now they're just directly doing it to you. And yeah, it, it kind of sucks when everybody's directly doing it to you. It was one thing when it was kind of bundled together. Personally, I thought that would probably be cheaper. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it sucks. I, I, it's a terrible barrier, and it's going to suck when the Big Ten does it as well, going to Beacock, Peacock.
0: And I'll clarify one thing, too. I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. I don't have a problem with women being play by play broadcasters, I have a problem with non play by play broadcasters being thrust into play by play responsibilities. It was very surprised, in fact, that Melanie Newman, who's the play-by-play broadcaster for the Orioles, was also pulled off of the Apple TV Plus broadcast for this year. She is one of the only full-time female play-by-play broadcasters in Major League Baseball. Katie Nolan, though, you're not a broadcaster. You're, you're in this talking head. Like, I, like What do you call that type of person? Content creator? A personality a personality. You're not a broadcaster. And I thought that that was a big miscalculation there from Apple TV Plus. But you know what? I'm not paying for it. So I don't think they care what my opinion is. Still, it will impact the Cubs April 7 and May 12. Uh, Real quickly on this front here, we talked about this a bit last week. We have seen some new rules in spring training. Jeremy was just adamant last week. They're perfect. Don't change anything. This is great. The World Baseball Classic's tough to watch right now. I was saying, I think it could be tweet. Randall was saying, I think it could be tweaked. Turns out some things will, in fact, be tweaked. This is something that will be ironed out before opening day, but it seems like there will be some adjustments to some of these new rules that have been impacting the sport.
2: Yeah, yeah. They, they've made some some tweaks on the margins. It's nothing major. Uh, basically, the umpires are going to have a little bit of discretion to... To start the clock or stop the clock if a guy gets uh, knocked down by a high and inside pitch, or if he takes his time out, the umpires have a little bit of discretion to stop or start the clock. Uh, catchers, if they end an offensive inning, batting, or on base, they'll have more time to get their stuff on and get and sell the box. Uh, basically, so it's giving the umpires discretion, which of course I'm always a fan of umpires to serve. Uh, all of the discretion, Uh, but it's basically giving them more discretion to stop or start the clock when it is reasonable to do so. So they're not really making any big changes. It's more like they're clarifying some things on the margins here.
1: Right. I believe they it was a clarifying memo as they they said. And and so uh, per our um, last email. Right. Uh, For me, I personally would have been okay had they changed the uh, like eight second for the the batter to be alert into the box like it, it was it's eight seconds currently if they had moved that back to what it is in college at which I believe is five seconds I would have been fine with that but yeah I like the fact that they're kind of keeping because I think it would have been a little bit ridiculous for them to make major changes like a week before the regular season after we spent all spring training acclimating to what it is now and it has been happening like it's infractions are down 50% from the first week of of baseball or of spring training. So it's improved over time. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, if it turns out that the way the game is being played kind of struggles, I do think in the future they could make more tweaks. But I don't mind any of these tweaks. Like, I agree. Like, if a guy gets knocked down on a brushback pitch, he, he, you shouldn't really just start the clock immediately. The it should be a little bit the umpire to be like, okay, hold up a second. Let, let's at least let him stand first. Or if he's running back out, you know, out from foul, pull out from making a, an uh, excuse me, from being in the field uh, in, in the outfield or whatever, coming back in. Yeah. Give a little bit more extra time, but, uh, yeah, I I do like the clock being at 15 and 20 though. Are you receptive to any tweaks after opening day? Or is this something that, Hey, whatever the rules are come the first day of the season, it's that way till the end of the year. I don't think they should make any major tweaks to the clock after opening day. No. I mean, if, if we go through the season and things happen and we want to talk about for next season, I can understand that, but I think changing things in the middle – like, I didn't like last year – I believe it was last year when they did all – or maybe it was two years ago when they did the the sticky stuff and checking everything and whatever – that like, changes the game in the middle of playing it. right? In the middle of the season, everything gets thrust around. I, I think if you're a player, you want to know what the rules are and you want to abide by those rules. You don't want to have to relearn new rules like the next day. So I personally don't like the idea of just changing things on a whim, kind of like if you think something's better. I think it should be kind of set before the season and then they could work their way to that.
2: Freeze it, freeze it at opening day. I agree if there's one thing, the the one thing I trust MLB to do less than make changes is to make repeated changes because the more repeated changes you make, the more chances there are to just keep screwing it up. Lock it in at opening day. Do not change it during the season. Tweak it for next season if you need to. Opening day rules need to be the rules for the entire season because you're not going to help anybody by continually changing it through the season and making players readjust every month.
0: Yeah, it's got to be set. I don't mind the changes here in the last couple of days. Just get it right. Let it rip this season and then make some adjustments going into next year. But we are a week out from opening day. We're going to end today's show with some predictions. We're going to start in the National League, then the American League, we'll wrap up with the World Series, and then we'll bring the show to a close, predicting the MVP Cy Young Rookie of the Year in both the National League and the American League. Randall, start us off here. Who
2: are your three division winners in the National League? In the National League, I have the Padres winning the West. I have the Cubs winning the Central, only because the other options are all so distasteful that I'm not going to name any of them. And I have the Phillies winning the National League East. Okay,
1: Jeremy, who are your division winners? Yeah, I'm going to start East. I'm going to go East to West. I got the Braves winning the East. I have Randall's favorite team, the St. Louis Cardinals winning the Central. And I agree with Randall on the West. I have the San Diego Padres winning. All right. So the
0: only clean sweep for the three of us is the west. I also have the Padres finally upending the Dodgers there, taking the West. The Central, Jeremy, I'm with you. Unfortunately, it's going to be St. Louis. The East, Philadelphia Phillies are going to win the East here. All right, your three
2: wild card slots in the National League, Randall. Who do you have? I have the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Mets. One, two, three
1: in the wild card. Yeah, I, I gotta go with the Mets, the Dodgers and the Phillies, which is the opposite of what you have, Randall, in the East. And then I'm also going with the Dodgers, the
0: Braves, and the Mets. So if I'm understanding correctly, between the three of us, five of the six teams we agree on, the only difference, the NL Central. And Randall's the optimist (laughs) here, saying the Cubs are going to do it. Good for you, Randall.
2: That's me, ever the optimist.
0: You picked 90 wins for the Cubs last year. I haven't forgotten that. I hope you're right. I don't want it. That was the worst thing I put on the pregame rundown here when I put St. Louis in to win the National League Central. All right, American League division
1: winners. uh, Randall, start us
2: off. I have the Mariners, the Twins, and the Yankees going west to east in the American
1: League. Uh, yeah, I, I we're going to go west to east. I'll go with the Astros out west. I have the Twins as well and the Yankees as well, winning the Central and the the, the East, respectively.
0: And again, a mixed bag here. The West for me... Dusty and the Houston Astros, the Central, the okay. Chicago White Sox are going to win the American League Central. I'm saying it. And the East will, in fact, be the New York Yankees.
2: So, what about the wild card, Randall, in the American League? My wild card winners, Rays, Red Sox, and Jays in the hmm. American League. I go Jays, Rays, and
0: Guardians. Jays, Rays, and Guardians. Okay. And I'm going to go here Rays, Mariners, Blue Jays. I will say the team I really wanted to find a playoff spot for and I just couldn't was the Baltimore Orioles. I think that's gonna be a super fun team to watch in the American League East, but ultimately I think they're gonna fall short. That's a tough division.
1: Yeah, and they didn't really do much. They like, they had a fun team, young team, but they didn't really do much in the offseason. Like that's a no. time to add.
2: The vibes it's, can yeah. only carry you so far.
1: It's uh young guys coming up
0: that is uh really the story right now in Baltimore. All right, so the World Series, who are the pennant winners? Who takes the thing home in October or November, Randall? Who do you got?
2: I have the Toronto Blue Jays defeating the Philadelphia Phillies. Blue Jays baking like last year's Phillies, making a run from wild card to the World Series. Differences, the Jays are going to actually finish the deal this time.
1: Wow, Randall's going with a repeat of the 1993 World Series. I'm going to go a repeat of the 1996 and the 1999 World Series, and that is the New York Yankees over the Atlanta Braves. Okay, wow. Uh, the... Uh, Yankees and the Braves, interesting
0: there. Two big-time names. I'm going with a World Series we have not seen before, the San Diego Padres and the Seattle Mariners. Wouldn't that be fun? Two teams trying to get that
2: World Series title. That would be a good matchup. I'd enjoy that a lot more than certain other
1: teams being present. A very West Coast uh, World Series would be interesting.
0: I just think it's the Padres' year, and I think Tatis is going to have a monster year. Not a lot of people, I feel, are talking about him. With everything else going on in San Diego – And it is self-imposed, the situation that he finds himself in. But that's an MVP caliber player that they're getting back in the mix for this year. So I think the Padres are really going to be a fun team. We all have them winning the West. I think that's cool. The Dodgers have dominated that division for the last decade. It's time for someone new. It's not going to be the Rockies. So why not the Padres?
1: Why not the Padres? I think they're the most talented team, you know, maybe even in baseball.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun here, and they come to Denver quite a bit, so I'm looking forward to getting a chance to see them here. All right, awards. We'll start in the National League. Randall, who is your National League MVP?
1: Juan Soto. San Diego. Oh, Randall with the San Diego Padres. I'm going to go – I picked this guy a lot, but I'm going to stick with him. I'm going to go with Ronald Acuna of the Atlanta Braves. Okay, the
0: team you have winning the East, so him leading them there. Um, I picked a guy from the team that I think is going to win the East, Trey Turner. He joins just a power lineup there in Philadelphia. Turner does everything. And I think this is a guy that's going to benefit too from some of the rule changes. He steals bases. He's got power. He's going to score a lot of runs. He's going to drive in a lot of runs, right, in Philly. So I'm going Trey Turner. Man, he was good in the World Baseball Classic too. Just unfortunately was on the
1: losing team. Yeah. Are you afraid of his World Baseball Classic having a little bit of a hangover going into the regular season? No, no, not at all. I think he's going to ride that in. And boy, that lineup,
0: Philly's lineup, Every single day, Schwarber hitting bombs, Harper hitting bombs. That's going to be a very fun team to see play, and I think they're going to take the East here. They had three guys on Team USA, and they could have
1: had four Bryce Harper who was hurt. Yep. Uh, National League Cy Young, start us off. Max Scherzer. Uh, I'm going to go back to Atlanta, and I'm going to go with a young guy with a mustache, but not Dylan Cease. I'm going to go Spencer Strider.
0: Yeah, me too. I think that's the guy, uh, at least in the National League. I think yeah. we're going to see two mustaches, though, yeah. coming home in the Cy Youngs here. We'll get to the Ale in a moment. Um, Rookie of the year in the National League. Who is it?
2: Outfielder Corbin Carroll of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Loathe be me to pick a D-back
1: for an for an award, but I do think it'll be him. Well, Randall, I think I'll raise your spirits with my pick because you picked a D-back. I'm going to go down to uh, St. Louis and pick Jordan Walker.
0: That's exactly who I've got written down as well. That one also sucked to write. That team's winning the Central, I'm afraid, and I think Jordan Walker's going to be a big part of it as the NL Rookie of the Year. I wish folks could have seen the face that Randall made a moment ago when Jeremy said the name Jordan Walker. Sour
2: Lemon face. American League. Randall, who's the MVP? MVP in the American League, you can't bet against Shohei Otani. He's my pick.
1: Uh, I have to agree with uh, Randall. I I think it's too hard to pick against anybody else right now, so i got to go with Shohei Otani. I was
0: thinking about it, and I said, they're probably both going to do that. Let's get a fresh name in there. Julio Rodriguez, the defending American League Rookie of the Year. He's going to pull close to a KB here. Rookie of the Year, then MVP. But they're going to lose in that World Series to the Padres. But I'm thinking J-Rod.
2: Yeah. Uh, Cy Young, American League. Randall, you're going to be mad at me, but who do you have? I have uh, DeGrom. I think DeGrom's going to have a big year down there in Texas. He's going to shock a lot of people uh, being advanced in age. But I have Jacob DeGrom as my AL Cy Young.
1: I'm going to go with the guy I picked last year, and I, he was pretty good, didn't quite get the Cy Young. And I'm going to go with Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees. Mm,
0: yeah. Uh, traitor for not appearing for Team USA there in the World Baseball Classic. This guy, too, the guy that I'm going to pick, Chicago White Sox ace Dylan Cease is your American League Cy Young Award winner. The mustache thrives in the AL and the NL. Are you worried about the fact that he has not really had
1: a good spring training and his walks? Are not really
0: at up. all. No, no. I mean – I. I understand why people would feel concerned, but I would just reiterate this by saying it's spring training. It does not count. It is not real, right? If you're panicking about Dansby Swanson, eh? If if he's sucking at the end of April, we can maybe have that conversation. Doesn't matter what's happened in spring training here. You want guys to perform well, right? But. He's Dylan Cease. He's a veteran. He's been one of the best pitchers in the American League. I don't think he's going to be a problem for the White Sox this year. Uh, That's a very intriguing team, though. They seem to be up against the ropes in their window here to do some big things on the south side. All right, American
1: League Rookie of the Year. Randall, who's your guy? Shortstop, Anthony Volpe of the New York Yankees is my pick. So I was between a couple guys. Anthony Volpe was one. But I'm going to pick Henderson over there in Baltimore. Your guy, or as we once called him, Randall Henderson, because that's his middle name, Gunnar Henderson. Uh, I think he's going to play pretty well.
0: Yeah, that was my guy as well. Again, I think Baltimore is a super fun team to watch this year. He's going to get all the starts, and he will be the American League Rookie of the Year. So that's it. We got our World Series champs, our division champs, our award winners. Uh, Is there another fun award or anything you guys want to throw into the mix
2: here just on the spot? Comeback Player of the Year in the National League, Cody Bellinger.
1: Mm, That sounds good. I would definitely take Cody Bellinger as comeback player of the year. Are you sure it's not going to be Eric Hosmer?
2: Reasonably, yes.
1: Jason Hayward. Oh, no. No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. Maybe not. Cody Bellinger. I mean, hopefully, actually, hopefully, yes. I like Jason Hayward. I don't want to root against him, but still.
2: <laughs> like like Antonio Alfonseca said in that famous interview with Ron Santo, no, 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 no. What was that interview? he did an interview with Santo before pregame and Santo asked him about a, an injury. You know, is, is this thing, are you having any trouble with, it was his hamstring or whatever. And Alfonseca goes, no, no, no. Everything's good.
0: Sounds like Randall talking to me. Everything I say is a no.
2: Except you don't get it. Everything's good for me.
0: No um anything else baseball wise here as we inch closer to opening day
2: you know i'm excited for spring training to be done with like you always say it starts to drag especially as you get to the end set this roster get the teams out there and let's let the chips fall where they may
1: yeah i agree with you randall i'm it's like a downer today right after like the highs of this world. yeah baseball like when classic. is when is
2: game two of the world baseball classic final
1: right and then you have to wait a week for spring training or for the regular season to pick back up so i'm ready to go let's go i'm ready to go Do you think the cadence is right for the World Baseball Classic? Is four years
0: the
2: right number between games? So it's 2023, obviously, as far as I know, it sounds like we're going three years until the next one. And I'm wondering if that's a function of uh, this one having been delayed by two years. I would be okay with it being every three years on the regular. It was three years between the first and second editions. I think this is so much fun. I don't want to wait another four years. I'm good with it being every three years. Uh, every two years, I don't think you'd do that. I don't think that would go terribly well. I think every three
1: years is just about right. I think they should look into uh, codifying that going forward. I think you definitely need a uh, pretty substantial gap between, you know, a period of time because it, it, you know, if it's every year, then you lose the novelty of it. Right. Or every two years. So yeah, I'm excited that it is coming back again in three years, but I I do think four years years is the right. I mean, every international major international competition is every four years in the world cup, you know, the Olympics, whatever you want to name it. It's an every four years tournament. So I think if baseball wants to put itself on that pedestal, whether or not it can get there, I don't know, but it's, got a pretty good starting point right now after this last one. I think, yeah, every four years I think is reasonable.
0: Well, we're going to do one more show here before opening day. It will be just Cubs predictions, home run leader, win leader, strikeout leader, all that stuff for the team. And then it is opening day next Thursday, March 30. So we're getting close, and it's going to be a lot more fun here when there's games every single day and lots of roster moves and things to talk about. So off season's almost over. We're at this point here. One more show, and then opening day. It'll be a good time. Jeremy, don't get arrested. Have a good time in Las Vegas. Don't, uh, don't be calling me from some cell uh, it would be very hard for me to get out there to uh, scoop you out so be wise